0: Hey, all right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome this morning to New Life Church. The last Sunday of July. It's crazy how fast summer seems to fly by these days. Um, well, we have been on a journey through the book of Colossians through a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And a place he never visited, but a place that uh, was dear to his heart. He sent a lot of his ministry uh, comrades and um, ministers over to that place to, to preach the gospel, and he wrote this letter, and we've been journeying through it, it's four chapters, and uh, we started that at the beginning of the month, and so we're going to be wrapping that up today, uh, the book of Colossians, and so if you missed any of those and you want to go back and hear some interesting things about, this, about the book, some historical context, but also uh, relative and practical steps that the Bible outlines for us as we build our faith and love the Lord more, you can go to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org, right on the homepage. You can click on the sermons, and you can pull those down, download those, or listen to them right on the spot. So keep that in mind. Uh, Today, uh, I've asked Pastor Prentice, he's our associate pastor, he's going to be closing out the series uh, today on the book of Colossians. And so, if you would, help me welcome our dear brother in Christ, Pastor Prentice, today. 1 right, 2 right,
1: Good, morning. Good, morning. Good morning. I'm going to do things backwards today. When I used to when I used to drive a school bus in St. Louis, the kids hated me. If they were bad, I would I re, would reverse uh, the drop off. That means nothing in an allegory or or anything in regard to y'all this morning. But uh, I'm 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 tired. I want to pray for you, so I'm. going to pray for you first, and then I'm going to preach the word to you. I don't share. Let's just get that straight. I guess that's why I'm of old school. Shared is differentiated because you have to agree when I share. If you preach, then you preach what God has you to preach and asks you to preach, requires you to preach, demands sometimes that you preach, that you preach no matter how you feel or no matter what you're going through. And I want to speak to you a little bit this morning when, as we go into this part of it, especially to those that have been in the church. You know, we sometimes do a consensus of the body of Christ, of those that are not just on the milk, but they're on the, the meat of the word. Paul dealt with it. He said, I can't, can't give you the meat because you're still on the, you're still on the milk but this morning for just a few minutes I want to talk to you that have been around maybe not as long as I have but have been fighting the battle for a long time and you have maybe been in a position where it seems like I'm just going through so many battles so many things I just don't know anymore. There's just so many things that have piled up here lately, and I'm saying that as a consensus this morning, not as a personal deal, though we all have our own problems and deal with them. But the Lord already spoke to me at the beginning of the week and said there's going to be people here this morning that has fought the battles. And their scars are bigger than they can possibly imagine but the Lord tells me that every tear that you have shed on your bed and on your pillow at night God has a record of it he is not insensitive to the heartaches the problems, the physical stress, the emotional stress, family situations, job situations. He knows exactly where you are, what you're going through, family situations. I can look back over my life, I can think of almost everything That is possible. If you want to believe in Murphy's Law, which I do not let it dictate my life. That is, if anything is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. I I don't believe in that. But sometimes I see it. And sometimes I see it because of where we are in our relationships with individuals and in our family. And the Lord told me this. He said, I want you to ask for those that are really going through situations. I want you to pray over them this morning. Now, I don't know how this is going to go. But if you are going through, you know, James said, if you're having troubles, pray. That's what he says. I'm kind of paraphrasing it. Maybe it's one of the versions, but I'm kind of paraphrasing. If you're having trouble, pray. You know, I thought that was a cop-out when I was a teenager. How's praying going to get me out of the mess I'm in? The thing was, not only was I praying, but other people were praying. Maybe didn't even know they were praying for me. Maybe they were praying in tongues. And the Holy Spirit just branched that out, surrounded me by the problems Man, I could have been in jail. My dad was out holding revivals, and I was home causing all kinds of hell. Even mother didn't know it. I'm sure dad did in a way. Dad seemed to know everything. But, I'm, I, but though, then there was those nights that I'd be in the bedroom of that little house trailer. That's what we call them. Eight foot wide, 48 foot long. Bedroom was no bigger than some of y'all's bathrooms. Barely big enough for a bed to fit in there. And I thought, what am I doing, Dad? is out preaching the Word of God and changing lives. You know, later on, Dad told me, he said, you know, I made a covenant with God when I went back out on the evangelistic field. I promised God that if He would take care of you, that was me. And he would keep me in God's grip. He would never turn down a revival. I said, later on, I I told him, I said, that that, that took a lot of faith. Because you don't know how bad and the things that I was getting into. And he said, oh, son, I turned that over to God. And it is his responsibility. My responsibility to call your name at night. After the revivals. After the services. After all the accolades and going home. Or going to the motel and laying down in bed. and You're there by yourself and the loneliness seems to be like a darkness it covers. But God always. I could feel his touch on my shoulder dead and it was like Jesus saying I know what he's doing I know the problems he's having but my hand has never left him and neither will it because you are faithful to do what you promised and I am faithful to do what I promised I asked you this morning if you feel like your back is against the wall. You've gone through. I mean, Monday, Tuesday well, was Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. We had calls come in of people that were needed prayer. I've, since, since we've actually been doing this this way, never has there been so many requests for prayer come in like it was this last week, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And yet, God is faithful. And I want to encourage you today. God is faithful. Oh, Pastor, you, you don't know how many times I've heard that. You hadn't heard it any more than me. Believe me, it some of the most embarrassing times of my life is when that scripture or, the, or that phraseology would come to me and I said, But you don't know. And then I would get caught by God in his trap and said, excuse me? And tears would begin to flow and I would go to the cross and I would find his sufficiency was always enough. And I asked you this morning, I, I don't want to wait a real long time because I've got something to preach to you about if you want prayer and you feel like this what i have said is spoke to your heart and draw you this morning i would like for you to just stand if you would and just come up here i'm not going to pray for you all individually but i'm going to pray for you as part of the body of christ so was that okay Would you all come if if you want special prayer this morning. If you need something from God. If this has touched your heart. And this has touched your life. And there's a need in you that God wants to take care of. I feel very emotional today. I've got to watch it that I I don't give in to my, my emotion in regard to that. But we have lost too many in the last two years. On needless casualties of war. We've been affected by the enemy. Let me tell you something. It's because, a lot of it is because, of your calling of God upon your life. That God is wanting to direct your paths. And because of that, you've got a target on your back. And it's like you're saying, here I am, Satan. Bring it on. And he does. But I'm here to tell you, after 57 years in the ministry, I have found personally his sufficiency is sufficient. For you Now, Father God, you see these that has responded today. I believe you have already seen them before. They've even done anything this morning, but Lord, I just, I just pray this morning that all of these situations, that these your people are going through. First of all, Lord, I pray their faith will be strong. Lord, that they will straighten up in their posture before you. And they would get an understanding that their eyes would be open. that you have sufficiency that is sufficient for every situation. In their life, whether it's physical, whether it has problems in their family, whether it's a job situation, whether it's a craving for more, Lord. Lord, I know I, I know how it is in wanting more and feeling like I'm not, it's it's something I'm doing that is hindering it. Something in my marriage, something in my relationship, something in my kids or something in me as a parent, an adult. Lord, I pray that you will lift the despondent spirit that is in them in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now. Some some, some of the some of these Lord that are up here are, are are going through a loneliness that cannot be explained. Father, I just pray this morning that they will understand their eyes of their understanding be enlightened. Lord, that they're not alone, but you're right there by their side. As old story would would, would go, they looked behind them and they saw. Two sets of footprints. One was theirs and they would wonder whose footprints is that other one. And how that picture would explain it was Jesus all along, all along following behind them. And they didn't see it until they turned around and it was like their eyes were open. Lord, I pray for strength for these. Lord, they have been faithful. They have gone through things. They have worked for your kingdom. And today, Lord, the burden of this has reached a place where they need special help today. Father, I pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they would have strength because your word says... For those that has no strength that we're to ask, and you would give us strength. Lord, for those that have come to the water and it seemed like the water's gone, I pray, Lord, that you'll just water that stream right now. Just water it right now that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. Someone said. But thinking that, Lord, I've done all this. I'm still working strong for you. But my strength, I just can't do what I want to do. As we'd say in Texas, our giddy-up can't keep up with our want to. Lord, I just pray right now for a supernatural endowment of your power, of your compassion. I can hear, I can hear somebody. I can hear somebody thinking, "I've fought all these other fights. Why am I having such a problem with this?" I just feel like the Lord would say, "Son, daughter, it's me. It's all me. I'm sufficient for you. I am going to cause." Waters to flow down in streams that the river beds have been dry. Where there used to be flowers, God is going to cause flowers to reappear like it would be in a desert. And you see nothing but burnt ground, sages that are just brown, grass that is brown, not green. God is going to water your ground and cause it from changing from brown for burnt. To green the sign of life. I thank you right now. You that are up here. Just take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. And and breathe in. Breathe in the breath. Of God. This morning. Breathe in the, the breath of God. This morning. Thank you Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 It means you agree. Amen. Amen. Go sit down. always good when you pull your notes up and you get something on your screen that says Hurricane Tracker. Oh, that's supposed to be funny. We've been in Colossians. Uh, Primarily today I'm going to be dealing with third chapter of Colossians, one of my favorite Chapters in the New Testament. Uh, okay. 30 minutes. <laughs> I heard that correct. <laughs> I want to read a couple of verses this morning, uh, before I get into the third chapter, it would be found in Matthew the 24th chapter, 24, 24 okay, and it would seem like on the surface that this is totally opposite than what third chapter of Colossians, let me tell you something, this all flows together with it, Matthew the 24th chapter, 24th verse, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Next scripture is found in 1 Corinthians, 3rd chapter. Verse eight, you know, I forgot to put First Corinthians on mine here. Uh, First Corinthians, third chapter verse 18. "Let no one deceive himself, if any one among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise." Two things we'll deal with is one of the things will be carnality carnal things which is of the flesh is of the unregenerated man in other words he's not a Christian he's just ungenerated that's primarily what carnality means before after the fall we have become stripped of so many things spiritually because of the fall of man in Genesis. We're moving into a time frame. Some theologians says it's the 11th hour and the 59th minute that we're moving in, in the regard to end time happenings. Now, I, I tell you this morning, there are things that are happening in the natural and in the spiritual that we have never seen before, we've never heard of. And because of that, a lot of people want more of the consensus of what is being spoke in the churches. And Jesus never was too big on consensus, which is specifically found in regard to Jesus' approach to the disciples and who do first question was who does man say I am now that is a consensus so if you've got a hundred people how many of the hundred people uh, would say who Jesus is that's a consensus based on how many people are in agreement on a certain situation that's a consensus so Jesus question to the disciples as a whole what what what's y'all's consensus on who I who I am You know, and the answer was some some of Jeremiah, some Elijah, you know, so forth and so forth. And then Jesus got—I say Pacific, but it's specific. It's not, anyway. And Peter said, "You know, the most uneducated, the the one that always does things off the spur of the moment, Peter. You know, he's just a fisherman." you hear me Wes he's a fisherman yeah somebody asked me about my shirt today I said I'm just gonna jump in the water and when I get out all these fish are gonna be are gonna be on my shirt because it's all its hook anyway so you 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 have this deal that Peter speaks up totally out in left field what we call out in left field and say well you are the Christ the Son of the Living God now all of his natural abilities did not bring him to that conclusion. I mean, you could see you could see that he performed miracles, but historically, the Bible has already said there's going to be people that's going to that's going to come because Gamaliel said even questioned and and said and by his answer at Sanhedrin court uh, said uh, so there's been a lot of people that has said there that. The, they are the Messiah, so it wasn't the signs and the wonders, but it was a revelation that his eyes was open, and Peter said, "Thou art the Christ, the anointed one that's what Christ means, the anointed one, the anointed Messiah, thou art, thou art okay, a Shakespearean language there, sorry, I don't know exactly what the new living says in regard anyway the the deal is he said, Thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus, I could just see, you know, if I was Jesus and I heard Peter say that. It'd different if some of those other guys would have said it. But Peter, you nobody ever really expected a whole lot out of Peter. I mean he was uh, he was the brass one. He was he was the one, you know, if it was in high school. A couple of years ago, I'd say, he was the Noah of his day. <laughs> Noah always got in trouble. I'm not talking about the biblical Noah. <laughs> I always picked on Noah. And, but the thing is, this is the one nobody expected anything out of it. And Peter said, there are the Christ. You know, probably everybody just stood back and thought, where did he come up with that? And Jesus just explained it. He said, flesh and blood, natural abilities, natural understanding, did not reveal this to you, give you the capacity to understand who I am. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father has revealed this to you, so the, the, the thing being here is the day we live in, the time we're in, we have to have understanding that is not based upon what you see with your eyes, even hear with your ears. There has to be a revelation from God, an understanding from God that man does not have the abilities with his uh, five senses it's got to be there. It's called spiritual insight or revelation. You'll say, Well, was that needful? Is that something that pertains to ever dispensation? does it apply just to Jesus' time on the earth? What about some of the older prophets? Does it apply to them? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Corinthians, the third chapter. First Corinthians, third chapter, verse eighteen says this let no one deceive himself if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age that brings it down to an age okay some of you are young one is older than me thanks charles for another birthday today for you but it says in this age, that is uh, according to the Greek, uh, uh, the age is a perpetual age. Another, another way, it does. It's not. It's not adjusted on a curve by the the date that it happens. It is perpetual. If it's now, it's like Jesus. He's He's the same. I don't have my, I don't, have, I'm sorry, I don't have my hearing aids on today. He's the same today and forever. So there's where the age is perpetual. In other words, he doesn't change. You got that? He doesn't change. Now, we've established that in the last day there's going to be deception, there is going to be, uh, signs and wonders, and these things will cause a deception, even to the point that even the elect could be deceived. So deception is something that is going to be then, back then, right now, and to the future. And it's going to, the degree of how much deception that is going to be there is going to continually get more pronounced Tomorrow than today. Amen? So, based on that fact, we have to have some things that are not going to change. We have to have some foundational things that are not going to be changed by age. Now, some of y'all, I'll, I'll tell you, I remember what some of you looked like about 20 years ago, some of you a little bit longer, and I can see. I'm not gonna look at Miss Haley, okay? Because she's already got it pointing her fingers at me. I'm I'm saying age does change things. But is there something that does not change? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. Because the things of God does not change. There was deception in the days of Jesus. There was deceptions in the days of Moses, right? my research and I, i've gone over with with a couple of you in regard to magicians and magic that was so prominent even in moses time and many people don't even know they say the birthplace of magic was egypt the birthplace of it so it wasn't unusual for moses when he come into the temple to to see the possibility that those magicians could do almost the same thing that he could do they took their rods they throwed them down their staff and it turned into a snake well moses moses did that ah the key thing was moses's snake was hungrier than the other ones moses's staff ate the other snakes up anyway that just some stuff there the the thing is here in Colossians, the third chapter. Let's read a few verses, if you would. If then you were raised with Christ, what does that mean? I'm buried with Christ. Jesus uh, was, was baptized in water by John. Jesus came up out of the water. Our Holy Spirit spoke in the form of a dove. God's voice was not chirp, chirp, chirp that a dove does, but His voice came out. And said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, so that was the first death, burial. Resurrection came just a little bit later. So we see that Jesus was baptized in water. We see that on, after the cross, they put him in the tomb. They prepared Jesus for burial, which followed death. Now, the thing being was on the third day, God raised him up, put life back into him. You can follow in Ephesians the first two chapters and see some of the specific things that that brought out in regard to uh, him him being dead. God brought showed his mighty working power by putting life back into Jesus making him not Jesus but making him Christ the anointed one from that time forth, Paul talks about in his epistles he talks either Jesus Christ the Christ which is a title and we see that there is identification of the anointed one being Jesus and that we are buried with him, Paul talks about that, in the water. But we are raised into a new life. When we have experienced John the third chapter and the, and, 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 the, and the new birth, we understand that the old man has passed away and the new man has come on. So there is a constant conflict between the ungenerated man, which is carnality. In other words, it follows the law of the natural. It follows the law of the things that was contrary to God in the garden. God caused a separation. And the way that it went down throughout history is an amazing thing. Till we get to the point we see the differentiating of this and how that our character exists even today. Now, if then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds. See, see, see we're talking about the regenerated person. The Old Testament prophet said, and I will take that stony heart and I'll take, I'll take it and I'll make it into a heart of flesh. I'm going to do a major shifting, a major change in that. So Jesus said in, 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 in John, uh, John through 16, he, he, he talks about the new birth, and, and clear on through 16, 17, and 18, and show that there is a change that will take place in a person that is going to follow Christ. Because the Bible talks about and tells us that we're a new creature in, in Christ Jesus. So there is something that is different about a follower of Christ. Most of it is mental. Uh, that's why it says in the book of Romans, just to cl- uh, clarify that, Romans 12, chapter, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, goes on it talks about you transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind. So that which is enmity between God and man is going to be brought together because we think on the things that are of God and things that are heaven. I, heard, a th- I heard, heard something the other day just blowed my mind. to think about how close we are to the coming of God. And somebody come out with this. And they said, never has the American church been so illiterate as it is right now. Think about that. What that means is the majority of the people that's in the house of God have become illiterate they don't know all they want is something instant you know that they really want something instant they don't want something that going you're gonna have to think about they think well now it's all God it's all the Holy Spirit now I don't have to think I have no responsibility my character is void of moral uh, attitudes because I'm not I'm it's not me it's not me my, uh, it's all been done away with. It's all been done away. However, Paul tells the Corinthians here, uh, 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 those at Corinth, he said, "Then if we were raised with Christ, we seek those things which are above, where Christ is, not the things of a person who their moral code is different, their." They follow after criminal things. Oh, where do you get all this? Thank you. I wanted you to ask that question. (laughs) I'll get there in just a second. Set your mind on things above. You mean there's a difference between there's a difference? There is something called the things above and the things that are not above? Well, yes, there are. Because our minds have been changed by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And we are constant thing that we're to think on now it's not because we do it out of legalism it's because we love the Lord and we're drawn to those things of God verse three for you died did did we not die when we accepted the Lord we died it's it, it's a it's a metaphor an algorithm uh, that that I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, if I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, there's a difference between the way I am now and the way I have been in the past. Is that right? Or should it be that way? Is there, is there going to be a difference? If it's not, then why do I have to go through all this stuff? If there's not going to be any change in me, then this is just a philosophy. And it is not something that it will cause a life-changing thing in my heart and in my life. Because what I think now is what's got me in trouble anybody say amen is this okay I don't want to ask that for you died did you die yes you better have died that's why Paul says I die daily I fight I fight against the who the old man that's not talking about your dad or or, or somebody, it's talking about the old man, the unregenerated, the one that has not been affected by the new birth, okay? So this man is always in warfare with the new mind that Christ has put in with me. And there are some differences. There, There is a difference between what the mind of a regenerated person thinks and what the one that hasn't been this is why there's a problem in, uh, I'm an alcoholic, I'll always be an alcoholic. Boing, boing, boing. It's a wrong philosophy for a a believer. I'm not always, I, true I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. I am not that person I was back then. I don't do those things that I did back then. I don't run around. I don't have a wife, so but I still don't run around. I don't do those things that there's a craving for in the natural. But because God has put a new mind in me, I have a new set of principles that I go through not out of loyalty to the principles, but because it is totally different. There is something that is different in there. Okay. Verse 4. Uh, verse 3. For you died, and your life is what? Hidden with Christ in God. Go back 2,000 years before that. <laughs> Bing. Back there. When Moses was telling the. Moses, yeah. Moses was telling all the craftsmen, said, okay, we're going to deal with the construction and the design of the holiest of holies we're going to, we're we're going to have all this stuff that when you're going if you ever are able to go in it's going to be amazing the gold that is on that but what you're going to do Moses you tell those craftsmen said make you all of these designed things make them out of wood what make them out of wood you know my question is did God tell him what, what he was going to do, or did He make him wait? You know, I think He made him wait. He said, "Make all these designs. Make that. Make it the ark of the covenant. Make it out of wood. Make the, make, make the candle deal. Make it all out of wood." God, what are you doing? He gets it all done, and then I just hear God, you know, Moses, come to my office. <laughs> Moses gets up, you know, off the calf-hide rug, gets up, goes into the place that God is. And he said, yes, Lord. He said, you've been, you've been very faithful. You've, you've done a good job. All these designs are right up to the exact specifications that they're supposed to. Now, there's one other thing I want you to do. He said, well, what is that? He said, all of this designed furniture that you have, made out of wood, not worth a whole lot except the artistic value of it. But what I want you to do, I want you to turn the furnace up. I want you to get gold. And I want you to overlay all of this stuff that is wood, that decays, and I want you to overlay it with gold. Well, Lord, that will will make it heavy. That will make it Weighty in value, he said, yes, it will. So he takes us, a new convert, a new person in the kingdom of God. We have no value other than the value God puts on us. And he overlays us with gold has always been identifiable with deity. Only the richest could have this. So he's he's changed the value of who we once was, an old piece of rotten wood that is going to degenerate over a short period of time. And he overlays us with the most costly metal Known at that time, gold. Oh wow, what a difference! I was an old chunk of <laughs> was was an old chunk of coal. Now I'm a, now I'm a, a, a diamond. I'm a diamond in the rough. You know, there was a song or something like that hundred years ago. <laughs> and, and 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 so what has happened was we are molded after the visible part of who we were, but because when he changed us. He took something that was worthless and turned us into something that was so valuable only a relative few could understand the transformation that took place. Now don't you think that piece of of furniture would not be placed in some old room off to the side but all of a sudden would be brought into the very presence of God one of the most used portions of their tent or their temples that could be. Come on now. that See, that's what God has done. When, when we have been converted, when we have been transformed, all of a sudden we're transformed by the renewing of, of my mind. All these things I wanted to do, I don't do now because I realize the value of what God took me from, from an old piece of coal (laughs) to something that has tremendous value and now Paul is showing the difference between the thinking of the person that has no value the piece of wood to the thinking of the person whose value is thinking on a total different level oh somebody somebody get with it here Come on now. I say, that's what God. So, so we're talking about that which God has changed from that which was on the that which was was we identify as carnal. It is the very, it is the very substance, the very little substance, a value of what it was. And we say that that is what carnal is. It is the very it is natural things. And God has taken that. The only way He can transform you onto a different level is through a spiritual transformation. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by where, what's the very first thing that needs to be transformed? Our mind. How, how do we think? What do we think? Do we think we're... Do we think we're just a sinner saved by grace? I remember the old testimonies that used to be a couple hundred years ago. And they would get up and they would testify and they would say, Oh, I was a sinner and I'm a saved by grace. Yes, at one time you were. But God has put value on you that you did not have, you could not dig for, you could not even comprehend the change. That would take place in you. My desires, my wants, all that stuff supposed to change. 12th chapter, verse 2, because this is your reasonable service. It's, in, in the Greek, it's our reasonable worship. Our reasonable worship. When we're worshiping God, thank you, Lord. You've taken me from an old piece of coal. To something of tremendous value that we can't even comprehend what the value of who I am now. Oh, somebody say amen. I'm doing a lot better preaching than you're doing. Amen. uh, uh, Defining carnal. Hmm. It's pertaining or characterized by the flesh or the body. The ungenerated part. The one that hasn't been changed. It's passions, it's appetites, it's sensual, carnal pleasures. Now, on verse down to, uh, to 5, is therefore put put to death your members which are on the earth. That means the old man. What I want to do what, what is not what I want to do. <laughs> if you want to get into what Paul said there, which is pure confusion, that which I want to do, I don't do, and that which I don't do, I do do. You know? You, 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 you had to get a little bit beyond there. So what the thing is there, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. Okay, now that we're in verse 5. Okay, this is the things. I don't know if it's up there. Yep, okay. Here's a list of the thing from this perspective. These this things that are listed are characterized by the old man. This is the way the ungenerated man thanks before he is transformed by the renewing of his mind okay it's found in, in verse 5 therefore put to death your mem- uh, your members which are on the earth and it goes through fornication at sexual enmity intimacy okay uncleanliness which is uh, there was a deal back in those days you shouldn't take a bath every day. Okay. See, the trouble with that is that uh, direct influence on where uh, uh, leprosy originally came from is the unsanitary means of not cleaning and taking care of you physically, your physical body. See all these things are basically physical. Uncleanness, passions. See how many of them have, has to do with sexual intuendos here. Evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Let me tell you something. You are what you feed yourself. I mean, you you can be young, you can be old, and you can still have these desires. Let me let me just bring the rubber down to the road or the tire down to the road, whatever you want to call it. If if all you do is going through your day, and all you men can do is think about uh, that woman at home, and you can't wait to get home and have relationships with her, or maybe it's not your wife. Oh, you're meddling! No, I'm not. We're we're having this. Problem more today than we've ever had before. Just look at all these guys that are being taken to court because of sexual advances done by these women who look like hookers. (laughs) Sorry. I I find it very amazing because I have worked in white collar. I have worked in blue collar. And I saw all these things. I was working on a dam in Oklahoma. Was building a dam. And they brought the powder puff in. That's a person. It's a female person that uh, handles the dynamite. And does the the blowing up. I tell you what. She would come down from the office. You might as well put it down. Everybody in in that hole down there that was digging stopped. And would look at her. And that's all they could think of. Let me tell you something, what you think about. And you say, well, this is not a problem. Yes, it is. You have no idea how many men as well as women are hooked on pornography. I don't expect an amen, but it is the truth. And, the, and, and if, you, if, if this is something that you continuously think on, then you're thinking on the premise from the ungenerated mind by the things of God. And what that will produce, it produces in its own kind that there will be trouble in relationships, there will be trouble in the family, there will be trouble in the homes. Why is it that we have more incest today than what's ever been recorded before? Since they've been recording these instances. Why is there now more people getting divorced in the church than there is in the world? I remember when it was 50-50 and I thought, ah, uh, there's got to be something wrong with this, uh, 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 this report that is out there. And then when I started talking about all these marriage counseling that, Sometimes it works, but the majority of the time, it doesn't. So I got sick and tired of marriage counseling 20 years ago because you'd tell them the right thing, and they never, would, they never would do it. See, it's getting a little rougher as we go. Now, won't that preach? What I'm saying is, do you think it's any better now than it was 20 years ago? And yet, we have all the technology; we have all these books i saw, I saw one statistic that says, while wow, we're at the point where there is more men now reading Christian books than there ever has been and it 's the first time this was about seventeen years ago, there's more men that are interested to in do Christian things, and yet, according to statistics, nothing has changed. <coughs> The other day, I was reading Charisma, as well as another one that does Christian statistics. It's called Pew, P-E-W, P period E W E period W. It's an acronym, and they were they were saying that 20 years ago, 99 percent of the Christians in churches said that they were believers in Christ, and they said every five years since that time that they have been. Keeping track, that percent that was at 99% has dropped 5% every year. So what does that tell you? It tells me this, that for the age and the time that we're living in, we're still dealing with the same problems that they dealt with in Jesus' day. The thing is, we have hope now. If we follow on to know the Lord. Okay? Now, going on, trying to wrap this thing up. Let's, let's look at the classification. See also Galatians fifth chapter verses five uh, chapter five verses sixteen through twenty-one. This is what you call the works of the flesh. This kind of goes along with what I read you there in Corinthians in the fifth chapter. Okay? It's got a few more things that are in there. I'm just going to read through it. And I say to you walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh remember these are the works of the flesh the ungenerated person the one whose mind has not been changed by the power of God not your classes not what is being taught but I'm talking about on a supernatural level 17 for the for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another in other words you're, you're there's a there's a separation so that you do not do the things that you wish but if you are led by the Spirit you're not under the law now verse 19 now the works of the flesh are evident here they are which are adultery fornication uncleanliness lewdness idolatry sorcery hatred contentions, jealousy, outbreaks of wrath. Oh, bless God, I just don't believe it that way. Poor man. oh, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, verse 21, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you the times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom. See, we've got too many people trying to work on that in the natural. And it's never going to work out in the natural. It has to be a spiritual work of the Holy Spirit in your life to change that. Okay, back to Colossians, verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of the disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. That's another list here. Okay? But now you yourselves are to put all these things put off. Take it away. So what this tells us we have control over certain things in our life. That we just oh the devil made me do that. Baloney. You want her to do that. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, yes, no, yeah. But now these are your steps, you have put off all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put, you know, one, one statistic said even the good people lie at least once a day. Anyway, just thought I'd put that in there. Do not lie to one another since you have put off Assuming you've put off the old man, you've rejected his mindset. You've rejected that mindset. And put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of who created him. All right, now I'm walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh. I'm learning all these principles that God wants to see in my life. And with the help of Jesus Christ, I'm able to overcome all of those things that were made to cause me problems, made me be who I'm not now because it's Christ in me now, okay? So, and put on these. Now, here, here's here's the thing, where there is neither, well, uh, verse, verse verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, do you have that in operation in your life? Do you have these in operation in your life That's a simple question that you need to ask yourself, and you need to talk to yourself and answer that question: Do I have these things in operation in my life? so you can go on going on to one other thing, so we have the we have the the uh, those things that are, are of the flesh and we have the fruits of the spirit which is the counterpart these are the things that should be in operation in our life Ephesians 5 chapter verses 22 through 24 these are the things not the, not the works of the flesh but the fruits of the spirit but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness Gentleness, self-control against these things, there is no law. You operate in those. You see those in operation in your life. There is no law on it. But if you operate in the, in the works of the flesh, you're not even going to inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty self-explanatory thing. Against such thing, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified crucified the flesh with the passions and its desires. We, we have control over that. Some would say it's, it's got to be God, it's got to be God that's again No, we have control over that. We have to say there's times we have to say no. I mean I could, I could give you all insta- some very good instances of things that happened in my own life when I was on the evangelistic field, the temptations that were there, things that I had to say no to. I mean it had to come out literally and say no. This is not a fruit of the Spirit. For those who have Christ, have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. Moving into the time frame that we live in now, we're living in the last day, where one of the primary things we we're going to do, you know what I do when I get up in the morning? One of the first things that concerns me more, more than anything else, when I have my time of prayer, when I have my time of prayer, uh, alone with God, and I do I do my reg- my, uh, my routine. One of the th- one of the things I worry more about anything worry that's that's uh, subjective. Okay, it's not that I worry, but it's the thing I'm concerned most with that I want to deal with, so it doesn't become a problem. You know what I mean? It's deception. You say what? It's deception. I don't want to face in the morning. Being deceived by the enemy. Now, him, think, him making me think that I am better than I am. Him, him making me think that I'm just an old piece of wood. Come on now. And I, are, are, are somebody saying things that is, is mis- misleading? It's one of the things that, that... And I pray, Lord, number one, don't lead... I don't want to go into error... Because I, I've taught and i believe that once you've got into the spirit of error it's got a hold of you, it's one of the hardest things to get rid of there is. Here a minute. This is... You know, Lord, Lord give me this the other day. And then we'll go. This is my third closing. Or Whatever. Don't ever make fun of somebody's conviction. I don't care what it is. Don't make fun of it. You know, if if it goes from one extreme that that they wear their hair up on a bun and on top, and their dresses goes all the way to their heel on their shoes. Don't make fun of them. At least they got the guts to stand up and say no to it. That's conviction. Don't come against somebody's convictions. You pray for them. Come on now. I, I remember my, my, my first time in dealing with that. Dad was holding a revival. Dad let me get a bus. Can you imagine Dad letting me get a bus with everything that's going on now, on buses, and, and go from where we were in Odessa, Texas, and, and, and take a bus clear to uh, Dallas. And uh, at that time, if you pay your tithes, you live right. When you died, you didn't go to Dallas. That's different now, I know. But, but anyway, I went up there, and Dad was holding a revival in this church, and I got in, and it was right at Christmas time. It was during December. And, of course, the first thing I looked for when I got in the house, and oh, I was about 10, 11 years old, I guess. And I, I, I looked, I, the, the, uh, the pastor's son, he's about my age, I said, Where's your Christmas tree? He said, Oh, we don't believe in Christmas trees. I, I said, You what? And I'd never heard of that. I, mean, I heard a lot of things in my life, but I'd never heard of that. And so I didn't. It was being around dad and mother and knowing how to act at proper times brought me to that place. I didn't raise the question, why? But I, I waited. And uh, when I went down with dad to the church when he prayed, uh, I said, dad, th- this is what happened. And I, and I told him, I said, "What's the deal?" He said, "Son, there are some people that doesn't believe in Christmas and having Christmas trees. They they have it, they, they have it like that." I said, "And we do." He said, "Yeah, we don't see it. It's wrong, but we don't bring up that it's wrong or try to debate them or make fun of them." And from that point on, he said, "Son, never make fun of a person's conviction." I said, "Okay." So as the years progressed, there was a pattern that God brought me into. And that that was this uh, the stages that uh, are important and that is our convictions dictate our conscious our, 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 our uh, what we deem our conscious is basically the the things that we live by it's the principles that we live by so this this conviction developed into a their conscious in other words what happens when all of a sudden you're going to do something? All of a sudden you don't feel right about it. Have you ever experienced that? You do something and you don't feel right about it. It's primarily been been given to you because it becomes a conviction, usually of your of your parents. So you'll deal with that through almost all your life if it is something that is taught you. So my dad passed on something. This is my conviction in regard to this. In other words, this is what I believe about this. And so you 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 have your you you develop your, your convictions. Then your conscious your conscious will will always speak to you if you've got especially if you've got a godly mother and dad, and they put those into you, son. It's wrong to steal. It's wrong to do these works of the flesh. Basically, that the Bible tells us what we're not to do, and deals with not so much that as to deal what we are to deal with. What should be seen in our life? So that conviction imprints our conscious and tells us something's wrong with this. You ever had it? You couldn't make up your mind exactly what it was, but it seemed wrong? I mean, that day I was out there and I was busting out headlights on cars. I was dealing with my conscience. I know that this is wrong. And if I thought more about it, I'm going to get in trouble. I wasn't worried about the cops. I was worried about Dad. I said, he's praying for me right now. God is showing him what I'm doing. So it come out of it went it went from it went from Oh, I hate these things. Okay, okay. It went from conviction to conscience to character. My character is not based on the works of the flesh. Come on now, my my conscience produces character within you. I never, I never, I, I was I was at Bible school and I was writing this girl I kind of liked, and I, we were discussing some spiritual philosophy things, and and she and she wrote me back. I never, I never will forget it. I don't. I know she married a a, a young man, great great young man and she said there are certain principles that we live on, we abide by and nothing will change them outside of God changing our hearts. I thought about that. So this is the prefab of it. This is what I am not going to do. I am not going to allow to dictate in my life. I will not cheat. I will not I will not do those characteristics of someone that is not regenerated. I will make sure that The works, the the fruits of the Spirit are the predominant government in my heart, in my life. And if what I am going to do does not line up with the character basic teaching of the Word of God of the works of the Spirit, I will not do it. I will not question it. It's automatic. I've already made up my mind. So when they, at graduation, and the high school was going to go down, the the band, our band was going to go down, to a an area that no good christian would find himself in i had to make up my mind instantly and i said oh I've, i had a lot of a lot of friends and band." i said come on prince nobody's going to know we'll just go down to gaslight square do you remember that gary remember gaslight square it was in your days you know go back that far and it was a it was party row club row that's that's called <laughs> that's, that's what it was. I don't know, good, well, can I, can I do this? Listen to me. Can I do this? Can I go down there to that? Yeah, I could. I could have gone down there. I might have even been able to hold my character. But my consciousness, my conscience based upon, I'm going to learn this new phone, so help me. My character was not going to come against my conviction. My conviction told me there's something wrong about this. I may not be able to figure it out in the natural. I just know that something down in me tells me that there's something wrong about it. Now, have I already made up my mind? Am I going to go against my conviction? Is my conviction going to take me through this? And I, I, I thought, I can go down there Maybe there's a possibility Dad wouldn't know it. After all, I'm, I'm 16, 17 years old, something in there. I, I'm almost an adult. And can I go down there? Number one, yes, I can go down there. I can make my own decision that. But I had a, I had a conviction. I've been taught that it was wrong. Then it changed my character. And I heard my best friend, he's not going to go with us. Soon as I, soon as I said that, I said, guys, I'm going home. Well, Ain't got nobody can go home. We're gonna go down there and party. I said, You're old enough. You're a senior. I said, I know. They left. I went home, walked in the door that night. Man, I I was so emotional. I was so aggravated. I was dealing all the way home. Why have I got this? Fear of doing something against my conviction. Isn't it my conviction? Were they wrong putting this kind of conviction on a teenager? Let me tell you something. You're going to find yourself in situations you can do whatever you want to do. But you've got to have some principles. You've got to have some things that is an absolute. And there is only one way you get that. And that's in the Word of God. And the fruits of the Spirit, and not the things of the flesh. One last scripture to end this thing on a positive note. Got news for you the Baptists are already down there, and they've already ate all the food. Colossians, the first chapter, verse 27. To them, God willed to make known. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ is in you, he becomes your conviction. He becomes your consciousness. He becomes your character. And if he is in you, there is more for you than those that are against you. You may feel like you're the blunt of every joke. You may feel like sometimes everybody else seems to think that they're right. But God has got a calling for you on your life that tells you, I'm going to do what is going to be beneficial to the kingdom of God. I'm not in this for the short term. I'm in this for the long term. When you do that, God will see you through, bring you out to bring you in every time. Bless you.